Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I am so excited to have you here today to learn and listen and just get ready to crush your goals with this hot shit woman who is just, as I told her before we even started, when I grow up, I want to be like her because she is incredible. But I just want to welcome you to Fearlessly Authentic. You you are a new listener. This is the place where we educate, empower, entertain you a bit, and inspire you to live your most fearlessly authentic life for people who have always been afraid to like step into their fear, embrace their fear, or any other obstacles that are in their way. It is a scary moment. I have lived there for many, many years. And when you start living in your truth and stepping into your truth and being your real self, um, it is just a much better place to live. And um, things just seem to come to you when you do step into that great power that we all have. So I want to remind you to review, rate, and subscribe. We have a five-star rating. Uh, you can listen to this show wherever you listen to streaming podcast platforms. We are also on YouTube. You can find me everywhere at Jody Harrison Bauer and also on Fearlessly Authentic. I am on Instagram at the period Fearlessly Authentic podcast. So check us out. This is a great show. There are over a hundred countries listening, Mary. So it is, um, it's a very cool thing. And I am just really grateful to have women like you who are empowering other women on the show. So here we go. Time for the glasses on because I am 62 years old. So let's what? go. Yes. I'm 62. You didn't know that? No, I did not. Know that. <laughs> oh so my cute. God, you look beautiful. Oh my God, you're stunning. Well, thank you very much. Oh my God. Uh, what oh my God. You, please give me the recipe, the workout plan, the meal plan. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will because I have more and more women asking me for that. But let me tell everybody who you are because, again, you are just really just so inspiring. Meet Miss Skittles. And I have to talk to you about your name. The ultimate girl boss. She's a tenacious business owner with an unapologetic work ethic who knows what she wants and goes after it. After building a multi-million dollar business and losing it, Skittles bounced back and got it right back. As the owner of the icing agency, one of the most notable market marketing agencies, and the founder of Bakery Cowork in Atlanta, the U.S.'s largest female-owned co-working space, Skittles is dedicated to empowering female entrepreneurs. Her multi-use space, The Bakery Company, offers over 15,000 square feet of potential weekly events and monthly celebrity-driven festivities, full event spaces, and photo studios, providing women with the tools they need to succeed. Through her own experiences of overcoming business struggles, Skittles ensures that members meet their professional and, prof 
and personal goals, gaining knowledge and self-confidence along the way. Join her mission to show young female entrepreneurs the reward of finding their place amongst the right people and brands. Whoa. I mean, we need to share your whole story. This is incredible what you've created and what you're doing and the life that you now get to live because of the struggles that you've gone through. And in so many times that I interview entrepreneurs and successful women like yourself, it is always from the struggles that we find the strength. So let's start from the beginning. Welcome, Mary, Miss Skittles. I love the name. I love candy. Um, Where did you come up with this name? It's so cute. Oh my God. Uh, You know what? This name came to me actually in high school. Um, I mean, you're talking to a girl that came from nothing, right? Like literally poverty. My mom was a single mother. Uh, We were raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, I mean, when I say nothing, I don't ever remember the moment that my mom bought me a Christmas gift, right? Like she just didn't have it. I never remember um, buying me a birthday gift. I never remember us going back to school shopping. So we literally were struggling to figure it out every single day. And how I got the name, I it, it, it was tragedy to triumph, which I truly believe that my entire story and my livelihood is just that. Like whatever I go down as, just which from tragedy to triumph, because you know, when I was in high school and trying to navigate my ninth grade year, um, I was going through a lot. And I finally, after being homeless and moved around through all out through in my entire life, my mom finally got a house. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Section 8, but we finally got that Section 8 house. And I was like, oh my God, life is starting to pick up. I'm in a stable school. I'm not living, you know, anywhere and at my aunt's house and in cars and in wherever, you know? So we finally got our house and it was my ninth grade year of school. And I finally got a friend. Like, this is my best friend. Someone that I knew that I was going to stay at that school and grow with her. Well, My freshman year of high school, I went to school on Friday. I got accepted to the cheerleading team, which I was super excited about. And uh, I told my best friend, like, you have to be at my game. It's my first game. I know no one in the school. You have to be there. And she told me I can't be there because I promised my mom I will help her clean. And she's really adamant about it. Okay. Well, I I was upset. I was like, I'm not going to talk to you all weekend because you didn't come to my game and I'm now I'm lonely. So I didn't speak to her all weekend. But on Sunday, I started to think, man, let me call her because we share a locker on Monday. Right. So I gave her a call. She didn't answer. I called her on Monday morning. She didn't answer. I started asking the people on the bus that rides the same bus with her. Hey, where is Shandy? And they were like, she wasn't on the bus today. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. And so I started to ask around different people, did anybody see Shandy? Someone that lived on our street, I said, hey, did you see Shandy? They said, no, we did see like, there was a lot of police on the street, but we didn't know, you know, what's going on. So maybe she's coming in. So I sit down in my first period class um, and I'm ready for school. I'm ready for ninth grade, first period. And my teacher walks by and puts a newspaper on my desk 
And the type, the cover of the newspaper said, mother slain daughter, two daughters and herself. So, oh my God. Yes. My very best friend, my ninth grade year had been murdered by her mother and her mother wrote a letter why she killed her children. So that was so devastating to me. And that is when I started to. You're 15 years old, like ninth grade, 15. Oh my God. I'm 15 years old. So that is when I really started to see the shift in my identity. Whereas I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know who I had the potential to become. And I, and I wasn't comfortable with who I was already. So I needed to find some type of alter ego, some other type of identity to even show up in the morning. I felt like when my best friend died at 15 years old, I lost a part of myself. It was the very first time that I ever had a friendship or to know that I could be myself with someone and I could laugh and I could joke. And so I started to, um, I started to want to intern and volunteer to get me up and just get me out of the house because at that time, you don't understand death. You don't understand how that could potentially affect someone or ruin someone's life. So there was a beauty supply store on the corner of my street. And I started to ask, you know, the Asian guy, hey, can I work here? I know I'm 15. I really don't have like, you know, I'm not the age, but can I volunteer for you guys? He's like, yeah. So I was organizing all of the hair, you know, that didn't sell in the back of the store. And he's like, well, I can't really pay you, but I can just give you some of this hair. Like this hair isn't selling. So I can just give you this hair. Well, guess what? The hair that wasn't selling was all of the colorful hair, like the red and yellow and the green hair. And so I was like, okay, great. Like I'll figure out what to do with it. So I was like braiding and twisting my hair into all of these colors to become this person that I really truly wasn't on the inside. I just needed to find purpose in my life, considering that I just went through this huge loss. And so one day I'm in front of the entire school and I'm saying a speech about my best friend and the star football player is in the audience and he's like, please sit down. You look like a Skittle. And and from that moment, everyone called me Skittles. And I hated the name. I hated the name. I hated it so much. So when I left Indianapolis to then move with my dad, uh, my senior year of high school, I was about to get a record deal. I then started to do music and be expressive in the way that, so all of this brand identity that I was building at 15 actually ended up being what catapulted my career and confidence, right? Because if you can get in front of a huge stage of people and talk about the death of your very best friend in ninth grade, it it showed me that I love the energy of being on a stage. I love the energy of, of transferring my emotions and my ideas to someone else. And so I started to get into music, which started to take off. And when I was signing my record deal, they said, we need a name. You can't be Mary. We need a name. And I was like, I don't have a name. And they were like, well, what has anyone ever called you? Like a nickname, just throw it out there. Did your family ever call you something? I'm like, little Mary. And they're like, no, like we need something else. I'm like, I mean, I was teasing school and they, he called me Skittles and he, they were like, 
That's amazing. That is your personality. It's amazing. The candy is really big. It's a great branding tactic. So unfortunately, it is a name that I have not been able to get away from, even at my grown age. I mean, I have literally met everyone. And when I walk in a room, I'm like, hi, I'm Mary. And they're like, aren't you Skittles? I know you from, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess. So wow, that is how I, that name came about. <laughs> I love that. And it all came from this struggle of dealing with how do I deal with grief? And you know what? Obviously, you are a very special human being because as a young woman growing up the way you did, not many women would have that tenacity, would have that inner strength to say, even now as a grown woman, to even recognize the fact that this is this is how you came to be. It wasn't because of, it was because of that struggle. And I think we all have that and then recognize these things and then going into music and, and everything. And then going back to, you know, it's funny when you started talking about the name and how it probably gives you so much strength now and how people recognize you like that. It, um, when I started competing in fitness shows at the at the age of 47, when everybody told me I was too old. Yes, I became a two-time world bikini champion at 49. Yes, two-time consecutive. I don't think that anybody's is, beat that yet. I'm uh, actually going back on stage this year. But my coach used to say to us, come up with a name, be somebody else on stage, because we're all, you know, so scared. We're in our stripper heels. We're in basically no clothes at all. And you need to bring on that Miss Skittles name, any name that you come up with who you want to be, because it is a weird thing, Mary, how we have to almost when we were so fearful that we have to embrace another person who seems more powerful than us. And even though it came with this guy saying, sit down, you look like a Skittles. But it that is what gave you your power, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, and, and I can look at back at many, if you guys read my story, I mean, not only in ninth grade did I lose my best friend, but after that, I finally built my confidence back up and I started dating again. And within six months, I lost him as well. And that is why I moved with my dad. So going through all of the loss in ninth grade, right? All of the loss that I experienced to now have to find the confidence and how to build myself up to be this person that ultimately I'm not. I remember uh, my ninth grade year, I wanted to get the lead role in, in our choir Christmas play. And I had practiced for it and I knew that I was going to do it. And the audition was on Friday. Well, guess what? The teacher had an emergency and moved the audition to Wednesday. But because she moved it to Wednesday, I felt like, no, my alter ego was ready for Friday. And I couldn't adjust myself enough and my mentality enough to get up in front of them right there on that day and do the audition. And someone that I knew 
want got the part and I stopped being her friend and I was so mad. And it brings me back to this day of how many moments are we actually missing in our lives because we're thinking that that moment is going to come later. But when you, when you, when it comes today and you're not ready for it, how do you show up? And for me, what people probably don't know is like Mary is an introvert. Skittles is an extrovert, right? Skittles is who I have to be. Mary is who I really am. So you are missing out on so many opportunities in your life because you don't have that awesome ego to show up for you. There are days that I want to be married and stay in bed and know that I've built a multi-million dollar company and I can really relax and hug my daughter. But there's a Skittle side of it that says, no, you want more in life. You, there's more that you can achieve. There's more people that you can help. There's more women's story that needs to hear your story. So you need to get up out of bed. So having that alter ego can literally, you, you know, show up for you on the days that you don't want to show up for you. I love what you're saying because I think so many women listening right now understand that you hustle, hustle, hustle. I mean, I've been hustling for a really long time. And sometimes I look at my husband or I say to my daughters, I'm like, you know, guys, I think I just want to put my feet up, move to Florida uh, look at the water and, and they're like, no, mom, no, like you have more women. Like there are women in their sixties who need to hear from you. Like you need to talk to them and right. It's sort of that alter ego. So what, besides knowing that there are so many young entrepreneurs, there are so many women out there who need your help. And I know you have a daughter who, you know, she is always looking at you and what is she like, seven or eight years old? Five. She's five. Okay. Yes. So cute. I can't even stand it. But you know, even with my daughters, 30 and 34, I know that they're still looking at me. I know you're not even 30, right? I don't know how old you are. But yeah, I'm 36. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, but you know, let me tell you something, your daughter will be looking at you for the rest of your life. So what does get you out of bed every morning besides Ms. Skittles, but what really, really gets you out of bed in the morning, Mary? Honestly, when I look back at my life, I don't know how I got here, right? Like, you know that there's just one like small little wave that turns into a bigger wave and then the wave crashes and you almost try to survive and you pull yourself up over the wave and then you get on another wave and you're at the end of your life. So it's just like, I don't really know what got me here, but if I could save someone else's life, if I could send a life jacket, if I could send a, you know, a, 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 um, a rescue boat back to the girls that were where I, where I was when I started, that's honestly what wakes me up. Like knowing that minority women are less than 10%, 2% to get capital in this world. Minority women don't sell businesses and leave legacies to their children. Minority women aren't scaling their businesses at the rates that our counterparts are. Like if when I think of that, it forces me to not stop. Like, yes, I'm very comfortable with where I am in my personal life, right? I have the husband of my dreams. I have a beautiful daughter. We only wanted one child. We got it. I wanted a girl. I got her. I have a lovely home. I have everything personally that I could ever want. Right. But 
when I think of my life and even now in my, in the way that I brand myself, right? I think of what would Oprah do? What would, you know, Jeff Bezos do? Like the iconic people that started in their garages and kept getting up every single day. They moved from the garage to the warehouse, the warehouse to a larger warehouse. And now they got multiple locations. And that is when they become iconic. So I can't let my legacy be that I opened the largest co-working space and there was just one and I didn't get capital and I didn't show other minority women that they can do it coming from nothing. And I, and I did it with absolutely no capital to get to where I am right now. I've never even used a business credit card. I've never used any funding for my business whatsoever. All of my businesses to date that I'm not proud of has been cash funded business. I literally took a dollar, made it, did marketing and turned it into $2, took that $2 and turned it into $10. So I want to show women that I don't care where you start. I don't care your religious background. I don't care your political beliefs. I don't care your mindset. I struggle with mindset. I struggle with um, imposter syndrome. I struggle with lack of confidence and I'm still here today. So that is what honestly, truly wakes me up. It actually has me losing sleep at night when I visualize the women that are going through depression, that are going through identity crisis, that are going through imposter syndrome, that are starting these amazing businesses that people are sweeping their ideas away from them from lack of capital. Like that is what wakes me up. I love that. And I think that you, with your space, and we're going to get to that like very soon because we have so much to talk about because you've accomplished so much. If you go to her website, you are not going to even believe everything that she offers. It's incredible. But you started your first business with $300, right? Can we talk about, can we talk about what that business was and what happened? Because then you lost it, right? Yes. So I went from being a music artist, traveling around the world as a music artist. Was your name my, as, as Ms. Yeah, Devos, right? Okay. Of, yeah. Okay. Yes. Traveling around the world as a music artist. And then I decided, well, I didn't decide. I graduated from college and I was like, wow, what is next? This is it for me. Oh my God. And so from there, I graduated from college. I ended up going on tour with another music artist that gave me over that, that tour ended up leading to the most money I'd ever had in my life, which was $30,000. Right. And so I left that tour and I was like, dad, I'm going to buy a Range Rover. He's like, what? I'm like, I want to buy a pink Range Rover. He's like, no, of course you do. Starting a business. (laughs) What about, you know, paying off your college loans? What about, I'm like, my loans. I have years to do that. I don't want to do that. And so from there, he's like, no, I really need you to think about this. I need you to figure out what it is you want to do with your career. So I decided to partner with a guy who was struggling with his retail business. So I essentially invested in him. I didn't know then I thought I was just giving him money for a partnership, but I didn't know that I was actually investing in his business to become a 50% partner. I was doing that at 20. I didn't even know what I was doing, 
but I did it. We started to become partners. That business took off because what I didn't realize early on was that the marketing genius or the marketing person that I am now is the same marketing genius that I had in ninth grade. When that's that's absolutely off. right. I was going to say that that's the same girl. Yes, it's the same girl. And so being able to um, use that information to grow his business, to get it out of a place of it was actually going to close and then be able to build it back up to where we're scaling it. Now we have two locations. Now we're making 50000 a week on just regular clothing, a clothing store. Like he was ecstatic. Our business started to grow. And then I started to find love in other things. I've ultimately been all my life a problem solver. Like if you, I, I am very good at solving problems very quickly. So was this, um, what just, just, um, was this cupcake mafia? No, no, no. So, oh, okay. All right. Store, all right. Yeah. We're getting into it. So that store um, allowed me to learn about retail and we were carrying a brand in that store and it started, it stopped to sell. So all of my customers kept coming to the store asking for the brand. So I said, I have to solve this problem because one, we're losing revenue. We're also leaving with unhappy customers and we have to keep telling them, oh, we're waiting for the brand to ship. We're waiting for the brand to ship. Why don't I just create a t-shirt line? So I took $300. I didn't even believe in myself. I actually borrowed $150 from my friend because that's how much lack of belief that I had in myself and in this business. And he's like, girl, it's going to be amazing. Here's $150. If, if, if you make the money back, give it back to me. And I did it in one week. But I just, sometimes as women, we get into a space where we just don't believe in it. Right. So that was my first business. In four years, I grew that to a $2.4 million in a I, in my two years, I grew it to a $2.4 million company. In four years, I grew it to a $4 million company. And then I got a $1.4 million purchase order from Forever 21. And I didn't know what to do with it. I'm standing here with a piece of paper and I'm like, this is $1.4 million. This could change my life, but I don't even know how to produce the product. I this, don't, is the t- this is the t-shirts. This These is the t-shirts. What, what, what did the t-shirts say? I mean, it was very expressive t-shirts for women, right? So the first t-shirt said, men are like parking spots. The good ones are taken and the free ones are handicapped. Um, I mean, I was probably shopping at Forever 21 with my daughters. What year was that? Do you remember? This is in 2012. So we didn't. Okay, no, they were older. Yes. So this is in 2012. Um, So what happened is, yes. Girls just want to have fun. Like those were the shirts, right? I wanted to create a group apparel because I'm an introvert for real. I want to be able to be extroverted when I walk into a room without having to say what it is I want to say, right? So the expressive t-shirts took off. We got this huge order from Forever 21. We couldn't produce it. And I then started to vet out distribution companies, which is they would say nowadays are investors, right? But it's not really an investor because you actually fuse your business into their business and you just become another song on the board if it was a record label, right? So it's not like they're giving you the capital to go out and do your own thing. They're giving you a signing bonus 
to fuse your business into their business with all of the other brands that they're producing. They're going to produce all the goods in China and you're still considered an owner of the mm-hmm. business, but you believe that you are a larger owner than what you really are on paper because I was 26. I was 25 when I signed this deal and my lawyer wasn't available. So they hired a lawyer for me and I trusted them. Right. Right. So six months later, I get fired from my own company and I'm left to figure. How is that even possible? It is possible because when I signed with them, I was in a state of desperation. Okay. I was like, if you can just give me this Forever 21 order, and my company can scale, we can get over the hump, right? And so many women go through that phase. Right. That- so that's that's like not the right mindset. That's why I wanted to ask you about that because you did mention mindset. Your mindset was in a different place. It was probably more in a place of fear that someone was going to find out that you really aren't who you are, right? It wasn't. It wasn't that. It was more or less, how long can I struggle? Mm. How long can I struggle without the right capital? How long can I struggle? Now, it could be Forever 21. Tomorrow, it could be Saks Fifth Avenue. The next day, it could be Neiman Marcus. And I would have to pass up all of those opportunities because I'm producing my clothing line in LA. So it didn't really have anything to do with the fear of people not like, like, mean being someone else it was me being in the same spot next year Mm -hmm. it was my business being in the same space when i know that i had the ideas that would be able to scale you know so it was that it was that desperation of if you did it for this person you can do it for me and i had a friend that was signed to that company And he was a guy and his brand was in Forever 21, right? So when you look at that, you're like, this is what I want. You're looking at the the house from the outside of the fence, but you don't understand that the land underneath the house is sinking, right? And I always use this analogy when it comes to investors, when it comes to funding, when it comes to the desperation that founders have when it comes to their business. Think about it this way. If I gave you, Jody, a sandwich and was like, hey, Jody, I made you this sandwich, you would be like, okay, great, you know? All right, cool, thanks. I'm actually not hungry. I'm okay, right? But if I gave a homeless person who hadn't eaten in three days a sandwich, their um, excitement level, the the appreciation that they have for the sandwich would be much different no matter what the meat or bread quality is, right? So the thing is, when my friend who was homeless, living with his grandmother, painting jackets with his hand, told me this was a really good company, his appreciation level for the company was different. I had already built a multi-million dollar business. So what I'm going to come in as, and the the CEO that I'm going to come in as, and the founder that I'm going to say, no, this is not right. We're not growing in revenue. Our profit streams are are very short. How much is a 
if the the um product coming from China, well, how do we get this PO done quicker? They weren't ready for that. They were ready for the girl that was so desperate and appreciative that they would have they could have told me anything. And that's not how it was when I got into the office. So six months later, our personalities clash. And remember, they hired me a lawyer. So of course I don't know all of the details of the contract. Of Of course, I don't know that I was excited about being a B member on the board, but A members had voting rights, right? Of course, I didn't know that I was 60% owner, but only to a 30% of the holding company. Of course, I didn't know all of the things that I figured out on the day that they terminated me and told me that my email no longer worked for my business and that I cannot have access to my intellectual property that I've been building for over five years. Of course, I didn't know that because you are only as good as what you negotiate. And if you negotiate in desperation, if you negotiate in desperation, you're not going to understand the value or the worth of your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. It had to do with where your head was at that time. So they fire you. And what do you do next? Because I know you just, you don't sit there and just wait. Yes. No. No. (laughs) You know what? They fired me at that time. I was living in New York and I was, I mean, I relocated my whole life to New York penthouse above, you know, overlooking Central Park. I got my pink G-Wagon. Remember I wanted the yes, yes, yes. G-Wagon? And like, honestly, I thought life was opening up for me. Like, I thought I was going to be traveling the world doing tech packs and swatch fabric swatches. And like, I ended up fired and sitting in a, in a, in a soup kitchen across the street, figuring out what am I going to do? How do I even explain this to people that know me? How do you get fired from your own company? Right. And I always tell people, look up the Steve Jobs story. If you want to know a very public, notable story and how it was done, look at Steve Jobs. That's exactly what happened to me. And so I left, I said, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to afford my $4,000 rent in New York if I stay here. So I moved to Atlanta. I stayed on an airbed above my retail store, Jody, which two months prior to me getting fired, I purchased my retail store out of the contract because they wanted to close it. They wanted to close it. And I had four ladies that had worked for me for over two years and they had kids and they were dedicating mm-hmm. their lives to me right. while I grew and scaled my business. Why would I close this business? No, it's not fully profitable at that time, but I told them that I would take on the, the responsibility. So I felt like that was God giving me the, that was God telling me like, you're going to need this. Whether the universe, you know, right, the universe was pushing you out of that something that you really didn't need, but you needed to learn from it. Because yes. I do believe that things happen for a reason, and that we have to keep our heart and our head and our eyes open for yes. what God, the universe, whoever it is, is trying to push us. And it's the, again, you know, from what we said at the beginning, it's the struggles, yes. it's it's the tragedies that bring us to the triumphs. So you're in Atlanta, you're sleeping in this office area? I'm sleeping. So the way that my retail store was, 
Um, it's a selfie museum now, but the way that my retail store was, it was two floors. I, I built it. I bought it that way. So it was the retail store at the bottom. And there's an apartment if you go through the back up the stairs on the top. So that was always there. I just used it as my office space. Okay. We had a little photography studio, a shipping place. Well, when I was on that, when I was under deep fire, I was like, okay, I have $10,000 in my account. Do I go and hire the best lawyer to fight this case, which was Peter Rosenthal in New York? Or do I get an apartment? move on, live my best life, start a new business with the $10,000. I spent every single dollar in my account to get this lawyer to fight for my brand back, right? So I said, okay, well, while I figure out this, I can just live above my retail store. It's not dirty. It's not you know, crazy. I'm not sleeping on the street. Fine. Who would know right. that I'm in here struggling the way that I am? No one would know. My staff didn't even know. I showed up every single day. My staff came in at 9 a.m. I went at 8.30 in my car every single day for six months. And I sat outside. I cooked breakfast at 7 a.m. I breeze the whole Sweet. I put a sign on the door that says private inventory. Don't go in this room because I had made the whole left side of the that was your bedroom. That was my bedroom. That was my bathroom. And that was my closet all on that side. So I put private inventory. Don't go in this room. And I was telling them that, oh, corporate put some stuff in that room that they can't see. And I would wake up every single morning and go sit in my car and wait for my staff to come in. They're like, oh, when are you going back to New York? I'm like, oh, well, they sent me here to figure things out with the store and to build back up the revenue. And I'm like, why are you late? You know, what's going on? And and every single day for six months, I did that. When my boyfriend, now husband, came to town, he's like, oh, like, babe, I'm here. I'm like, okay, well, you have to wait. My staff is still here. You got to wait until they leave. When they leave and I walk them out and see them drive away, then you could come because there could be no indication that I am failing. There could be no indication that I don't have it together. I don't have it together, but I will. And I never missed a payroll in six months. Was there times that I cried prayed. I remember I, I, there was a, there was a purchase order that was supposed to come in for some non-branded apparel because I then understood branding and marketing. And I said, it's not the logo that I'm selling. It's the phrases. It's the colors. It's the fonts. It's the, the way that the photo shoot is shot. So this company holding my logo, isn't going to stop me from from being from creating profit and revenue in a new business. So I started a new business called Official Girl Game and I put the same different phrases on different shirts and I was selling those shirts and so I knew that if I did it once I could do it again, right? But even in that time, Jody, if I can be super transparent, even though Skittles believed in everything that I was doing, Mary really didn't. You're scared. Mary was scared. Mary, at one point in time, when I cried my eyes out to my dad to ask him to pay my salary for that particular week, I then text my friend and said, it's gotten too bad. And she picked up the phone and she called me and she's like, what's gotten too bad? And she had sold her company, Boss Babe, 
You heard of Boss Babe? Yeah, yeah, of course. So my friend was the original owner. My best friend was the original owner of Boss Babe. And she sold that company. So she's like, what's gotten too bad? I was like, I don't know if you know, but I got fired from my company. I'm sleeping on an airbed above my retail store. I really don't know what to do. Like, can you review this resume for me? I haven't made a resume in years, but I need to get a job at least to pay the people that's working for me. She was like, girl, listen, I'm not reviewing the resume because if you build one million dollar business, build another one. And that was so important to me. And it's why I need women to have someone else in your life because she could have said, yeah, girl, these are the jobs that are hiring. I'll actually do your resume and I'll submit it. And and then in the meantime, go work at Walmart because we don't believe enough in yourself, but she believed in you. And that made you also, you knew you believed in you, but there was a part of you that was like, I don't know. Yes. uh, Yeah. It's that, it's that fear of you don't want to fail again. And I think so many women can relate to like living somewhere where they don't want to tell somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. And what I did after she told me that I, an email came in from city trends, which was the company that, so the company that I was signed to wanted to sell my brand to an off price retailer, like TJ Maxx, like Burlington Co Factory, like City Trends, which was the name. They sent me an email and said, hey, I heard about what's going on with your brand. I know that we can't buy any inventory from you because you don't own the intellectual property. But if there's any way that we can help you, we would like to. And they were like, we know that you're really good at marketing. And in the juniors department, we need a consultant to advise us on how to move the inventory into our store. I'm like, what? I never even knew that was a thing. I never knew that was a business. I never knew that I could get paid five figures to to tell people how to sell clothes, what, (laughs) and make proposals and decorate. Because you are a genius. (laughs) So, so ultimately, I started a marketing and branding agency, which is called the icing agency. Yes. After getting, so I thought went from Cupcake Mafia to the icing agency, to now the bakery. So I love all these names because I love, I love cupcakes. I love icing. I, I, Skittles, my daughter's eight. I'm, I'm more of a Swedish fish girl. And, uh, but I love all the candy and the icing and then the names are so creative. So when they reached out to you to do something like that, you know, I know that was just a small part of your story, but did that give you, did that bring you to the next level and go, okay, I've got this. I am, I am, I got this. Oh my God. Absolutely. Being on those meetings every day with the corporation and I've never worked in corporate. I don't have any corporate experience. Um, other than the partnership that I had, which was ran very startup. It wasn't, even though we had 180 employees, it was very startup. It did not give a corporate structure at all. So sitting on the meetings with those, um, with City Trends, I was able to learn so much. And I was able to say, wow, a lot of my ideas that I have, that I know that they could use to really grow and, and, you know, multiply their profit and their revenue streams. They actually can't use these ideas because they're a corporate oration and they have so much white tape, so much fence, so much politics, so much this. So that is when my true love for independent businesses started and startups started. And I was like, if I can give this girl who's starting a clothing company, the information that I'm giving City Trends, a multi-million dollar business, 
I could help both of them grow in two different ways. And so my agency started, right? This is all still from an airbed, Jody. I was like, going to ask you if you were still living there. And by the way, I used to be a buyer for a big um, corporate company. Before I had my daughter in 89, I was a buyer for seven years. Yeah. Wow. So I bought petite so you, sportswear. Yeah. So, so I get you it. Know the, yeah. You mm-hmm. know how it goes. So um, this is still when I'm on the airbed. I was on the airbed for uh, a little bit over six months. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that it's just like God's journey, like six months to learn and earn with this corp, with this partnership right. to really learn how to produce in China. At that time, I had to learn Mandarin. I had to learn tech facts. I had to learn shipping and fulfillment. I had to learn routing guides in six months. I get fired from my company, which moves all of those people out the way of my blessings, right? Mm-hmm. Out the way of what I knew like God was going to give me. I didn't know at that time I was very sad and stressed and depressed and was really just trying to figure out which crackers I could afford to eat on Friday, right? Right. Um, But on that time, I knew that it was a bigger purpose. So um, six months later, I have a thriving marketing agency. The apartment that I left in New York, um, I left it and put it on Airbnb and I hired someone to run it. That apartment after the first two months started to make over $30,000 a month on Airbnb. So that money was now funding the store and being able to get the store growing and the store rolling. My agency was now being able to fund my other dreams. But I remember having a prayer that on that airbed, I said, like, God, if you get me back to the top, I promise I will share the information that I have inside of me with everyone that I know, I will become the girl that I needed when I first started. And so then I started a digital company called Girl Mob, which is a university for female entrepreneurs or aspiring women that want more out of life. And we started digitally online. Now we have over 10,000 members. Um, Okay. We do trips all around the world. We do like photos. We do all of this amazing stuff. It's literally the sisterhood that I wish I had when I started. And from there, I was doing all these meetups in my retail store, literally $10 a class. You could come and learn everything about marketing, everything about branding. And I was filling up my store and I started to need bigger locations. So, so this store was the bakery? This store was Cupcake Mafia. Okay. But Remember, we couldn't really sell Cupcake Mafia products because I didn't own the intellectual property. Right, right. Because I own my store out of the deal, I could keep the name of the store, okay. but I couldn't grow the store. Essentially, right. And I couldn't sell the products that the brand was known for. So imagine going to Tory Burch and not having Tory Burch. Right. right you right. just have a store named Tory Burch with blank nice, cute apparel with no Tory Burch merchandise. That's how it was. Right. So I now needed to speed up my revenue process. So I'm doing these still, I'm doing these, these classes inside of my retail store on Sundays when we're closed. Empowering women, teaching women. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that led me to write a concept out for not only a photography studio, an event space, a co-working space, private offices, a conference room, podcast studio, everything that an inspiring woman needs to grow in their business. Because I believe that you truly don't understand where you're going until you find your people in your place in life. And sometimes when you find your people, it expedites 
finding your place. Mary, that is like everything. That's everything. Like in a, in a, in a nugget, you just said everything. Yeah. So true. It's so true. It is so true. So that's why we created the bakery. The bakery did not come until, um, it didn't come into fruition until 2020. After I joined another co-working space, it was an idea written on paper, having a business plan, but it wasn't until I went to LA and joined another co-working space and I didn't feel like they, I didn't, I felt like a diversity inclusion project. I didn't feel like I actually held a seat at the table. I didn't feel like welcomed when I walked into the room. I didn't feel like all of the knowledge of the years of that I have gained when it came to my business, I didn't feel like a viable Um, a valuable asset into their community. I just felt like when they needed a brown girl, this is when they called me and I flew in for that. And so I wanted to build a safe haven for women all across the world, no matter their ethnic background, their religious beliefs, their political backgrounds. I wanted a space where women can just thrive off of ideas, no matter what you look like, what you sound like, where you live, how you show up, right? Because everyone doesn't have that alter ego. You are really, some people are really showing up as what they have to offer right now. And I wanted to create a space where everyone will leave having that like Walt Disney feeling like, wow, I actually came here and created magic. So our phrase is dreams are baked here. And that's what I really want for women to create a safe space to bake their dreams with the resources and the the people connecting them to resources and people and funding. That is why I created the bakery. I absolutely love that. So how many women, it's a big workspace. As I mentioned at the beginning, it's 15,000 square feet. Yes. And do you have to be a member to go there? Is there, do you have to be a business owner? What type of women are coming? No, this is, this is in Atlanta. It is in Atlanta. We are working on our second location, which is Houston. Mm-hmm. And it's for an aspiring woman, no matter where you are in life. You can be a single mom. You can just be tired of working from home, trying to hop on your Zoom calls and the kids are running in like snacks, snacks. Right, 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 you right. can be that woman. You can be um, climbing the corporate ladder and you're tired of working from home or the coffee shops because now you're a lot of the companies are going remote now. You could be someone that is just starting your business. You could be someone that is scaling your business. You can be a founder that is getting investment or that is in the tech world. It doesn't really matter what your um, your job or how you are building like revenue for your business or for yourself, all that it matters is I am looking to surround myself with like-minded women that could fast track my success. If I sit in a room with another C-suite woman and I'm a C-suite, I'm able to say, okay, this is why they denied my raise. They denied me to get this role and I'm trying to move up. How should I do it? That person is now able to tell you how she did it, right? Right. But most women find, don't find those people and they're scavenging the internet for stories that they can relate to and they can actually ask someone a direct question that will fast track their success. 
oh, they, they denied your raise? Girl, here's three other companies that I know of that would absolutely hire you into that role, right? If you just was able to sit in a room with someone and get that information, because that's what's happened to me. There's so many rooms still right now. One of my mentors is Jacqueline Johnson from Create Cultivate. I want to be in rooms with women that are going to fast track my success that says, hey, no, you're doing it wrong. You know, like for me with my digital community, I was building up the community and I'm like, oh my God, I have to get to a thousand members. Like I got to get to a thousand members. What is wrong? I keep going to 900, then back to 800, then 950. I never can get at a thousand instead. And then Jacqueline's like, you need to build your email list. Don't worry about the members. If you get 100,000 emails, you will never lose 1,000 members. Like I'm like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. So being in the room with someone that can give you that little bit of information that you may have overlooked will easily fast track your success. Let me tell you something. It is a genius idea. I love it for women only. I absolutely love it because being the age that I am, there are not... There are not a lot of women my age who can talk to other women about growing a business, collaborating. What do you do when you're 62 years old, you're in your 60s, and how do you do something like that? How do you? So, having that place where there's all of these smart women trying to figure things out, growing their businesses, going through different things like you did, who have women to talk to, who have a space, this space sounds incredible to, to do anything that you want with your business, the bakery. Yeah. It's just, it's where dreams are baked. Is that what you said? Yeah. Dreams are baked here. I love this. So how can somebody, all right. So all of your businesses, let's go through it because we are actually running out of time. Let's go through all the businesses that you offer right now and how people can get in touch with you. I, I adore you. I love you. We need to talk and just let's go through it all so you can leave everybody with everything. Absolutely. So all of my businesses help the same or different customers be honestly fearlessly authentic in their branding, marketing, self-development, or growth, right? I would tell you, if you're a new aspiring woman and you're looking for a community and you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of capital, start with Girl Mob. That is my digital community. There's over 90 courses in that community and there's four live courses a month. There's in-person events. That's $49.99 a month, right? And then you go on and say, okay, I built everything. I now need a portfolio. I now need my business website developed. I need marketing. I need strategy. I need to be on TED Talk. I need to be in the right rooms. I need help. Then I have a marketing and branding agency because I got tired of all of my members going, I mean, telling them, go to Fiverr, go here. Right, right. And they're losing money because they really don't have the idea in their mind flushed out enough and they go to Fiverr and then they end up paying all this money to hate the concept even more. Right. I created a marketing agency and a branding firm called the Icing Agency. And we can start with all clients, no matter where your budget is, up to $3,000, you will be our a la carte division, which you can shop right on our website. From three to $15,000, you would be a premium client working with me and my team. The elite clients are $15,000 plus, and we are giving you white glove service. Literally, I tell my staff, my client doesn't have a brain. 
So you have to think for them. All they need to do is show up. We tell them what to say, what to wear. Our stylist is there. Hair stylist is there. Makeup artist, we're telling you what to do. We're putting you in rooms. We're showing you how to show up to your audience to grow your revenue extremely quickly. Those are okay. our clients. All right. So the website to go to is? Theicingagency.com. Okay. Wonderful. Now I have one last question. You have yes. like one minute to answer it. I'm so sorry. It's okay. What does it mean for you to live a fearlessly authentic life? Honestly, what it means to me to live a fearlessly authentic life is for me to wake up every single day knowing that I am being myself and I am inspiring the world to be themselves. No matter what I look like, sound like, feel like, sometimes I'm often you know, I often am confused about the narrative. Everybody has the perfect body, the perfect voice. Everybody has a perfect podcast. But as long as I can truly, truly know that I am being fearlessly authentic, showing up as myself, and I'm changing the way that another woman thinks about herself and says, Skittle's body is perfect. Not perfect, but it's it's real, right? Skittle shows up to her audience real. To me, being fearlessly authentic is actually being not only real with yourself, but real with others. I love you. I love your answer. I love everything that you're about and how you are educating and empowering women of all ages. And Mary, it has been my honor to have you on this show um, you are so fearlessly authentic. I don't want to cry before I say goodbye to you, but um, uh, I, I just thank you so much for your time and for being on the show. And I hope to talk to you soon. And everybody um, just, you know, until next week, go live your fearlessly authentic life. And Mary, any last words to anybody out there? Because I know you do. Yes. If you guys love this episode, I would love to know. Send me a DM, comment on my last post on the internet, on Instagram and say, hey, I found you from Jody. or I found you listening to Fearlessly Authentic. I honestly love to know and meet new uh, members of uh, Jody's audience. I want to hear how the story resonated with you and what part was your favorite. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Until next week, go live your most fearlessly authentic life. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you. 